I feel that that bit of you is broken somehow. It's, it's not. It's just a clear appreciation. Look, this is the time of year that these songs are going to be played, and I have favourites. There Some are completely anathema to me, and I don't want to hear them at Christmas, but some of them, are, I, I like it when they come around again. Okay. It gets a bit much, I agree, but some of them are good. And Mariah Carey, do you know, I I can't stand the woman's music, but that one, that one's okay, because that one's a good Christmas song. You don't like Chris Rear though? No, I don't. He can shag off. He can shag off? He can shag off. And I don't really like Krista Berg either. I don't really want to hear Spaceman Came Travelling. If if I knew you were a bit pissed, I'd be far less freaked out right now, you know. I'm sober. And that's what's really bothering me. I'm, I'm bewildered. Do you, do you like the Chris Rea Christmas song? What's it called? Driving Home for Christmas. That one, yes. You see, yeah. I just associate it with something like sausage rolls now. What? Why? Because it was on a, a you, food You go from a Chris Rea song to a savoury meat product. Well, it's not a far leap, is it? It, it is quite a leap, it's actually. Not, it's not a far leap a from song Chris about Rea Christmas to sausage roll. To baked goods is a big leap. That that is a big leap. He doesn't generally sing about bakery products. No, he doesn't. He's, he's, if ever, he's talking about fact. driving home for Christmas, and I bet there's a line in there about, and I'm going to have a sausage roll, like, because he's from up there. I just think if you met Chris Rear and you said, "I like that driving home for Christmas," it always makes me think about sausage rolls. Look, I like. He would reply <laughs> to you, security. If you've been on an Iceland, Dad, you remind me of sausage rolls. Was I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. So does Colleen yeah, Nolan remind you of sausage rolls? Yes, she does. Does Jason she Donovan remind, remind you of sausage ring rolls? More than sausage rolls are king prawn ring. See, now that sounds rude when you put it in the context of Colleen Nolan and her king prawn rings. Yeah, everybody loves her king prawn ring. Yeah. So does Kerry Katona make you think of sausage rolls? As yes. Well? She specifically makes me think of sausage rolls with a stick through them. She at least makes me think and of pastry. And a silver skin onion. I don't know if it's if it's sausage roll, maybe pies. And of course, a king prawn ring. Hmm. And I bet she has mini pizzas. Of course she has mini. What's wrong with mini pizzas anyway? What kind of food snobber you now? You don't Look, like mini pizzas, Richard. I've made mini pizzas. Is this what MasterChef does to you? I haven't taken them out of a box. I've made mini pizzas, and I've even like done lots of different toppings. I even said, "Hey, there's a pizza base. Shove your own toppings on. It'll be ready in you five did. minutes." You did. You used to do that for movies. You should see sometimes. I did. When we used to be professional movie critics, like six pizza bases, all like ready to go with all the toppings. Right, guys, build your own pizza. Mark your shelf. Don't take all the meat, Will. Rawr. Rawr. Ah, keep on with it. Not really. You're really not pissed? Yeah. Okay. I was drunk on Monday. I know you were. We can't talk too much. We've got Shaft to do on Saturday. I know. I'll save me drunkenness for Shaft then. Or have we? I don't know, because that might be Make It So now. There might be a make it so on Saturday. Yeah, I feel bad that we kind of brought Shaft and we've, we've stalled, but due to other things, not because we decided not to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. What the fuck us. is a sausage roll, people are saying? Okay, right, it's it's sausage meat, um, so it, it's about the size of a... I can do this much quicker. It's sausage. sausage meat rolled up in puff pastry. A pig in a blanket 
is much smaller than a sausage roll. You'd be pissed off if your sausage roll, right? If you if you were having it as a snack on, of its own, it needs to be at least six inches long and probably an inch and a half wide, round. <laughs> well, it does, Richard. Stop being lewd. But if you're having it like buffet style, then yeah, more like more like pigs in blankets, I suppose. We've never done it buffet style. We've not. I'm just immature. I wonder when Jason's coming back. Do you think he's coming back? He's, he's having microphone back. problems. I know he is. And I'm, I'm just going to address what people are talking about in the chat room here. You know, why are you afraid to call in? Don't do that. We've been doing this for years and we know you've been listening for years as well. And it must feel like you know us by now. And you must know that we've not really ever picked up the phone to somebody and thought, fuck, who is this dick? No, no, that well, is not true in the slightest. Well, well, has it ever come across on the show? Not while they were on the phone, <laughs> I would say. But if we were to say... Nevertheless, we have we nice conversations. Every single person who's called into Shaft, or, or any other show for that matter, to be a com- completely nice, normal, I can remember, solid individual, that, I, that's a lie. I can remember a certain 14-year-old calling into Shaft and you were appalled and told him he, he mustn't listen and he certainly mustn't call. Some of you are fucking weird. You have to accept this. Look, it's, it's a minority like any cross-section of society. The chances are I'm not talking about you, whoever you are, to all of you. But there might be a chance that I am talking about you. I think generally the weirder ones will know who you are. Uh, unless you're actually so weird that you've come out the other side of it. But those people, we usually get to host shows at some point. So, yeah. I, again, I, I wouldn't worry yeah. as such. Uh, but, yeah, it's not, some of you are a bit weird. We we do a fucking show about Star Trek, for God's sake. You know? Yeah. That's one crazy bunch of fuckers. You live right in there. a glass house as well, though, don't I you? I do. That's true. Oh, your co-worker will so know what a sausage roll is. Definitely. Greg's sausage rolls are awesome. Mm. Greg's sausage rolls are... They are to sausage rolls what pink. the Big Mac is to burgers. It's They're cheap, they're, not they're bad, handy, actually. they're everywhere, they're consistent. You know what you're getting. They're better than the cold ones you get from such places as the co-op and the spa shop. And the garage, they're all like garage... The, the petrol station well, sausage with rolls. With garages, you generally can roll. be lucky enough to get a Ginster's one, which isn't that bad. That's your more premium end of the cold sausage roll market. But would you would you prefer your sausage roll generally hot or cold? Oh, always hot as a preference. When I was a it's child, never possible. hot. No, I'm an adult, always hot. That's the way she likes I, it. She I likes it hot. I do. And at least six and a half inches long. And an inch and a half across. Um... That's how Alison likes it. Mm. Preferably with Shaking Stevens, maybe even. We don't know. What? What? Stop picking on me now. I'm not picking on you. You kind of are. Am I picking on yeah. you? Yeah. Because you said you like Shaking Stevens. I said I like that. I said it's all right, yeah. That's what I did. Don't twist what I said. Don't be making out that. I've seen him live and I've got his T-shirt. <coughs> shirt. That's my cousin Julie. And she loved him because he sang a song with her name in it for the same reason that I like uh, Elvis Costello's Alison and the Lemonheads' Alison's Starting to Happen and the Beautiful South song for whoever. 
That doesn't count. It does. That's it's got, a song for everyone. It's got Alison in there. It doesn't have Richard in. It's not for you. I would hope not. I don't want Paul Heaton singing a love song to me. Jennifer, Alison, Philippa, Sue, Deborah, Annabelle too. It's most of my family, That's actually. You're not in that song. I am. And I'm in that Elvis Costello song, and I'm in that... I know I'm not Alison in that song. to happen song. I'm in that other song, Young, Gifted and Black. <laughs> <laughs> That's what song oh. I'm in. Oh, I'm in Play That Funky Music, White Boy. I'm the white <laughs> boy of which they sing. <laughs> Did you not ever wonder who it was based on? It's based on me. It's a song of my life. Betty, what what are you with me on? I'm I'm lost there. I'm picking, but it's cute that I'm picking on you. you I'm are. picking on you. Are oh, you picking cute on way. me? Okay. Right, I'm not. Everybody like, thinks it's cute. I'm not like Christmas Eastenders abusing you. No, but I'm I'm just abusing you enough for it to be funny for everyone else. And we all know that your music collection is far far worse than mine. Of course, so of course. That's the funny element. Although I'm going to make sure that yours now includes This Old House by Shaking Stevens. I think it might already. I've shut my computer down. Hang on a minute, let me go on the thing. Let me see. It doesn't, surely, because I, I had to buy it. Don't touch the wire, Richard. Touch the wire. Well, I don't know. We were going to be on time and everything, weren't we? We were, yeah. These these problems <laughs> holders. Are, oh, he's calling now. There hey. we go. Hello. Hello. Oh, we hey. hear you. Hello. All right, that's perfect. Good God, that was harrowing. What What have you just been through then? Uh, all my sound drivers crashed, and then when I went to do a reboot of the the best computer, let's call it for now. Uh, it decided to give me a checksum error, like my hard drive was failing and it wouldn't boot up again. Ooh. So I switched all the inputs to the backup computer, and it started saying, hey, we don't have all the drivers for the new mic, so we're not going to do anything. And oh, by the way, we're not going to let your mouse work. And uh, so I switched back to the, old com- or to the best computer again, gave it another shot, and we got lucky. Where would you like to go today? That's, that's what they said. I would like to go and uh, get myself a new hard drive, probably. Mm. But for now, we have it. And that just, sounds good. I just did a search for shaking in my music. Yeah. And I got shaking all over and a whole lot of shaking going on. And I, I'm really, really proud of myself. Thank you. That's all I needed to say. So while you were away, Jason, we established that Alison was quite the fan of a, a young musician called Shaking Stevens. Jason, this is not what was the, established you, you at all. He's quite a, more a kind of a, a folk singer <laughs> around these oh. parts. Okay. No, and, he, he's uh, a British Elvis wannabe is what he was. He was a denim joy by Elvis wannabe. From the 80s. From the 80s. And he was Welsh, wasn't he? So he came Oh, he on. was Welsh, yes. yes. Sound like a rock and roller and then spoke. And and (laughs) if we're honest, we all know the Welsh Elvis is Tom Jones. It's very true. So, yeah. Job was already taken. Fun fact, my uh, my whole family on my mother's side is Welsh. Oh, really? Yeah. So is mine. You might well be related to Alison then. Yeah, we're probably related, love. 
Annie so, Williamses. Williamses, yeah, there are actually. Uh, we're, we're we're Love Days and Joneses. Wouldn't say. that be amazing Love if we discovered that Joneses. you two were actually distantly related? Uh, there's a quick and easy test for it. Is there? Do most of your relatives have all their fingers? They do, but they <laughs> look otherwise quite odd. They've all got massive tits. <laughs> All of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's an old joke in my family. Of course, it has nothing to do with DNA, but uh, all being Welsh immigrant coal miners in yeah. Pennsylvania, uh, lots of my relatives have fingers missing. <laughs> wow. Hooray. Hooray. And guess what I've discovered while we've been talking? What have you found out? My keyboard doesn't work now. Oh, no. So we're going to keep on going. Just uh, keep in mind that I don't have keyboard support. We're 100% mouse-driven tonight. Okay. Okay. You're going to have fun looking things up on oh, tent tonight, you know right? It. Right, I, I had that, that page. Where was that page? Um, so, Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're, are we going already? Uh, we're actually recording. You, you, do you want to do an intro? I, oh, I, sure. I hesitate to cut off what we recorded, because that was half an hour of, of internet radio gold. <laughs> but you know we should we should officially start a show i guess we should uh this is the sexy time that we call remastered christmas special Woo! sexy time sexy time sexy, <laughs> sexy christmas time that's what it's going to be all about tonight uh I, I of course am jason hawk over here in the states and i've got allison downing and richard smith on the other end in the uk hello good evening do you hello. guys want to start with some trivia go on then I uh, I got some help. I got an offer earlier on Twitter today from ATW9K superfan Josh Bissell. Oh, and Josh, I think he might be around here tonight. Mm. Yeah, he might be sitting in some sort of a chat room at simplysyndicated.com slash radio. <laughs> I think so. He's been looking forward to the show all day. God I, bless him. I thought you might be excited about this one. <laughs> I've been excited about this one all day Yeah, I get giddy Do you get giddy, Jason? I get a little bit excited when it comes time for You know, uh, not so much Remastered stuff anymore My my whole focus has shifted over To the remote patrol side of things oh, now Loving that It's all about the old TV It's so much fun to watch that old crap <laughs> It really is We're now into season four of Boston Legal Crazy But so uh, we're just going to take a quick step here into the remastered direction. And I guess we're going to take a quick step into the ATW9K direction if we're going to do trivia. But uh, Josh decided to send me some Christmas trivia since we're not really going to do a Christmas show mm. of ATW9K per se. You're going to throw it in here? Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll spin it up in here. Question number one. The 1970 Jose Feliciano Christmas hit Feliz Navidad is based on the customary Spanish Christmas greeting roughly translated as Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. But the title literally translates to Happy what? Happy birth. Happy, no. happy nativity. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Birth was so close because it really is a very close synonym, but nativity is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Rich, you're falling behind. That's one point for Allison already. Okay. You got to get number two, buddy. If you, she gets you too far in front, penis. If she gets too far in front, I'm just going to throw shit at her. <laughs> On November 11th, 2008, a memorial was erected in Frelingen. Uh, Freiligien. My French is not good. Freiligien. That, was, that was French, was it? 
<laughs> I took uh, close to 10 years of French, so oh, I should be able to pronounce it simply. Right, go on again. Try that at Montmartre. Hit me with it. On November 11, 2008, a memorial was erected in Frelingen, France, to mm. commemorate the unofficial Christmas truce of what major international conflict? Was that World War One? It was the uh, Christmas truce of 1914. Yeah. Yeah. When they didn't fire bullets at each other for a single day. They gone, but they went and played football in no yeah, man's land. They did. I, that's I'm a way not, to wage war right there. I'm yeah. not sure who won. It was us or the Germans, but that's what happened. We had a game of football. A kickabout instead of bombing. It was and when you say football, you, you mean heathen f- football. Proper football. We mean proper Stop. football, yeah. 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 If you want to pronounce it heathen, that's your call. The football that's <laughs> so bad it actually stopped a war. <laughs> Number three. Four Christmas specials are in the top ten most watched British programs of all time. Okay. Barring sports and news. Okay, so we're going to throw those out right away. Not talking about soccer matches, not talking about news events. Let's see if you can name them. Christmas specials. Only Christmas Fools and Horses. Spe- Hang on. It's, it's got to be Only Fools and Horses. Malcolm and Wise Christmas specials. The Queen. No. The Queen's got to be in there. I'm thinking the Royal Family might be up there now. Oh, hang on. Sorry, is this the most... The most watched. The most watched Christmas... I'm sorry, the most watched British programs of all time has four Christmas specials in it. These are just the most... Yeah, the the royal family's going to be in there. Royal family was huge. It's not, though. Think think along the lines of proper programs, things that are branded. No, the royal family was a proper show. You think there was a TV show called... The royal family was spelled R-O-Y-L-E. Oh, they so you're not talking. You're not talking about a queen's address, right? Not the actual no, queen. No, no, not enough people watch that. It get you know if it's on, no one's watching. She's only three D this year. I'm fucking watching. That. <laughs> yeah, <we're>, yeah. <laughs> what is she gonna do? Three D queen. I'm hoping she, that she's gonna throw some shapes and shit. Because you did guess only fools and horses. Yeah, definitely. That's that, that's a that's in there. A 1996 episode had 24.35 million viewers. It's the fourth most watched British program of all time. EastEnders. Right. Oh, yeah. EastEnders is number one. <coughs> 1986, 30.15 million viewers. That was the Dan and Angie Den year. And Angie, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, there's, there's 310 or so million people in the United States. How many people are there in Great Britain? About 65, 65 million. Yeah. So one out of two people yeah. was sat down to watch that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all seen it since. Craziness. It's just iconic. I mean, I the storyline was it. massive anyway. Um, EastEnders was born in the 80s, and the the landlords of the pub were Den and Angie, and um, it was the culmination of a very, very bitter cheating and, and nastiness between them, and it was the day that the divorce word was heard, and there was lots of violence and screaming and drama, <laughs> and it it was just perfect. And now you guess EastEnders at number one. That's the number one thing on the list, but it doubles up. It's also got the number 10 one on the list. The 1985 Christmas special had 23 and a half million viewers. Right. Don't know what happened in that one. That was so probably you got, Michelle. You got three, in a, uh, three out of four of them already. Okay, so the next one down. Um, Is there a Coronation Street thing It might in be there? a Coronation You've Street got, one. Yeah. Yeah, was it the Len Tingle one where he got run over I, in Blackpool? I don't think he'll know that. 
I, I bet it was. I bet it was the Blackpool one where, where he got run over by a Blackpool tram. It was Alan Bradley. Alan Bradley. The would, bastard. Would that have been 1987? Yes, yeah, it bloody would. would. Yeah. That's number three on the top ten list See, of these, all time. These are just iconic. That Everybody's seen them. Everybody. <laughs> and they always come up in, in uh, best ofs and yeah. Christmas things. We, we don't watch these shows. We we don't watch EastEnders. We don't watch Coronation Street. But we have seen those. I, I was watching it at the time. When that came out, I was an EastEnders watcher. Oh, we were Coronation Street in Harris. It's Northern, you see. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. EastEnders is the London uh, soap opera. Coronation Street is the Northern Yeah, Manchester I think we liked EastEnders because it was exotic, in it? Exotic. So this is like <laughs> if we have an East Coast and a West Coast soap opera. Is that how that works? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I guess so. It's North and South, though. I see. Uh, so you guessed all four of them. You guys get, like, all the points. Just all the points. You Yay! Win. Woo! We but I do have two more questions. Okay. Go on. So let's see if you can ace the rest of them just as well as you did with question number three. Here's number four. Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis initiates the greatest Christmas movie of all time, according to Josh Bissell. I don't think that it's a very good Christmas movie. The movie is Die Hard. <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. That's what I'm screaming, but all my friends disagree. All the, all the folks over at ATW. Do you know who started this one? This was Dawson or Bevan or something, wasn't it? Yeah. It was both of them together, actually, I think. Way back in the day on movies you should see, they argued hard for it. Yeah, they were wrong then and they're wrong now. I believe I was on Dawson's side. You were wrong then. Have you changed your mind? No. Then you're wrong now. Don't make me use the word heathen again. Yeah. Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis initiates the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. But what Christmas classic is played during the end credits in both Die Hard and Die Hard 2? Is it like, it's like a big band jazz version of a Christmas song, isn't it? Yes. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Part of me wants to say Silent Night. You're very close. It's in the same, it's the same milieu. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, come all ye faithful. Now, I don't expect you to know who performed it. It was Vaughn Monroe doing the cover of Let It Snow. Oh, Let It Snow. snow. The one that you don't like. I yeah, don't it's like kind of the snow. I mean, that's, that's all. I don't have a problem mm. with the song, really. Just the snow. Question number five. Final one on the list. And this is a history one. In the year 1647, Christmas was outlawed by a famous puritanical British parliamentarian. Who was he? That thingy me was. And it was not the sheriff of Nottingham. No, it was not the sheriff of Nottingham. No, he. Blackadder, right? <laughs> 1647. Yeah. Blackadder is. Um... Are you thinking Richard III? No. Oliver Cromwell. Uh, yeah. I've not seen enough oh, Blackadder to more. give you any kind of hint at that direction. Now, Oliver Cromwell was a big god dude. He was a big god dude. He wouldn't have cancelled Christmas. Oliver Cromwell is the answer. Yeah, well, he I did then. It was, yeah, it was the wicked child. Outlawed Christmas. The ban lasted until the year 1660, so a good 13 years. Yeah. It was Blackadder when his, when his auntie and uncle came around. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Blackadder has historical significance or accuracy to any degree? Yes. I thought that it was just complete farce made up total fiction. No. The actual placement in history 
and all of the timeliness of it is perfect. There's no real Blackadder guy or anything like but that. But, you know, bold, there was a but, Queenie. Yeah. We definitely had Queen Elizabeth and that kind of thing. You know, there are characters in it that actually existed. And um, and, and World War One as well. That was that really happened. All, all yeah, it, all I'd say probably two episodes of Blackadder and I had no clue what was happening in either of them. All right. Yeah. But I, I do like Rowan Atkinson. He's grand. And, and each iteration of Blackadder is in a different period of time. So the first Blackadder is around, is it about 1400s, 1500s or something like that? I don't Edmund. know. And then you've got Blackadder the second, which is the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Somebody get a pen and put this down. We gotta, we've got to watch this for Remote Patrol. Oh, it's amazing. It's oh, that's so a fun. good one to it's do. It's so actually. fun. It's perhaps only a one episode kind of thing. I don't know because you've got to see one from each of you know what? each there's, of the periods like in history. Twelve episodes of Blackadder, and they're all half an hour long. So we could watch them all, but in terms of t- it's a comedy. That in terms of what there is to talk about, I reckon we're looking at one episode. Yeah, it's going to be a good long time until we're done with Boston Legal. Then <laughs> it's my turn to pick. I've already got it picked out. It's not Blackadder, but somebody pick that after. Okay. My next choice is the Happy Days cartoon. <gasps> Oh, never even, I didn't know we were I've only just thought of that just now. Oh, you just opened up <laughs> no, the world of cartoons. Saturday morning cartoons, the door has been thrown <coughs> open. Oh, we tried oh, this with so Transformers, crazy. and it is a bad thing to go into. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. It does not end well. <laughs> You're better off remembering things as you do. Don't we're going to have a hard enough time talking about 30 minute sitcoms, let alone cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so anyway. So we did quite well on the trivia there, I feel. That was all right. I feel yeah. bad we don't have any prepared for you. Oh, no, that's fine. I, I've got all the trivia. We have so much that's submitted to us every week. You wouldn't believe it. So there's always enough to throw in there. Cool. Uh, but we want to talk about Christmas specials tonight. We uh, do. Because that's at least where we want to start with the whole Christmas traditions thing. When we were talking about the difference between what you guys do in the UK, what we do over here in the US to celebrate Christmas, there were some shocking revelations. Yeah, really different. Really different. Uh, A lot of it was really, really similar. I mean, we all do the same presents on Christmas morning thing. Uh, I think a lot of the shopping stuff is very, very similar. But the one that got to me is that you guys don't watch any of the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. We don't get shown that at all. You didn't even know what it was. No, we had no clue. Completely culturally insignificant here. This is crazy because everyone in the United States, they might not know necessarily the name Rankin-Bass. I mean, it's prominently displayed on all of these. But if you talk about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, this this stupid stop-motion film that came out, it's like an hour long. It came out in 1964. Everybody knows it. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We don't. I, I need to see one. Do you even know the character of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got him from from other things, yeah. Or kind of marketing. Yeah, he's the dude at the front with a red nose. But this is his story. This is his origin story. If this were Spider-Man, this would be how Uncle Ben dies. Right. I'd quite like this. Rudolph the Red-Nosed um, Reindeer is all claymation. It's so cool. It's got the singing and the dancing. It's got, uh, is it Burl Lives? I don't know because I don't have a keyboard. I can't look this up. But, okay. um, oh, yeah. Famous 60s person, uh, personas. And they all tell this story of how, uh, was it Donner? I think it was 
or was it Blitzen? One of the reindeer gives birth to this ugly little reindeer that's got a, a shiny nose and everybody laughs and calls him names and won't let him play in the reindeer games and so on and in accordance with the song. Yeah. And then it adds to the song because you get an abominable snow monster. You get an island where all these misfit toys live, toys that are kind of like the uh, iconic toys. Yeah. But instead of a jack-in-a-box, you have a – what is it? Is it an Ivan in the box or okay. – shoot. Okay. You know, it's all this cool stuff. But uh, he, Rudolph runs away, tries to find his place in the world, finds out eventually that Santa needs him to get through a major snowstorm to deliver all the presents. And since he's got the shiny nose, the rest is history. Yeah. I like this. We don't have anything like this, do we? We have lots of stuff like it. We just don't have this. I mean, do, look, we, do we have anything that's being advertised now? Oh, we've, the, the we've snowman. got a snowman on. Do you, do you see the snowman? Is it Frosty the snowman? No, no, no. It, it's called the snowman, and it's an animated. Is it about an hour? Maybe. I don't even know if it's that long. It, it was drawn. Uh, oh, let me find out the guy's name. It was. Raymond Briggs. Raymond Briggs, yeah, and it was a it was a beautifully drawn cartoon book because it's kind children. of like done in pencil crayon. Yeah, it's it's not overly neat. It's always moving, but it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Now I've not seen this or heard of it. That doesn't mean that it's not over here. It's just you know not necessarily mainstream, I guess. Well, basically, but- you have a little boy who's built a snowman out in the garden because it snowed. And he goes to bed and wakes up in the middle of the night, goes to his window to, to look outside. And the snowmans come to life and they go off and have a wonderful adventure. It's, okay, it's that's... To- there's no dialogue in the entire thing. Uh, it's basically he goes out oh. to the snowman, the snowman flies off, they go to a party with all the other snowmen and Father Christmas. Mm. And that is, it's just all musical. He gets a scarf and a hat from Father Christmas, then he comes home again. In the morning, he wakes up, the snowman's melted, but he's still got the scarf and hat, so it was all real. It was Okay, so here. until you started to add those details, it was Frosty the Snowman. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's what happened. It's a really basic, simple story. And, and uh, the, the, like Richard says, that there's no dialogue or anything like that. It's all set to a song called Walking in the Air. That's, have you, have that's you heard that song? No, not at all. I ain't about to sing it because it's really high you. Famously sung in the 80s by a, a very highly pitched Welsh uh, choir boy called Alad Jones. Alad Jones, yeah. He's still around on TV. I believe he I'll, presents I'll, songs of praise or something like that now. But he's, he's like We're a 40-year-old man. Yeah. in the moonlit sky. Even that's too low. It's kind of... <laughs> I, I, I bet it would send your dogs mental if it, you play it. It's lovely, it's though. Just, but, yeah. It's lovely, and it's a proper Christmas marker. When you see that in the guide, and that's another thing about Christmas here, the, the TV guide at Christmas, you must have one of those. But you get the big, fat, special Christmas one that lasts for extra time. And we only ever get the radio times. That's that's the perfect Christmas We're too TV middle class guide. for the TV times, Alison. We really We've are. had this discussion every Christmas. So it just, yeah, there's, it just it's class-based. If if you're working class, you buy TV times. If you're middle class, you buy the radio times. How's that for a fucked up country? <laughs> That's just well, it's <laughs> That's how a it real is. thing. And That's, and also, seriously. if you buy the radio times, then you're definitely watching BBC, and you're not permitting your children to ever watch children's ITV. They they, don't, they won't learn as well all the wrong things if they watch the children's educational programs. They'll have on ITV. manners. They'll be proper if they watch Got the BBC. Got to watch the BBC. 
We're both BBC uh, raised children. We are, but I think the snowman was the Channel Four production. <coughs> I think. I do like your description of it. It sounds very dignified. It says it sounds less commercially crass than something that we would consider a classic over here, and it sounds very. I mean, duh, of course, but it sounds very European in, in flavor, uh, being a little bit more classical, uh, especially with yeah. the, the Wally-esque kind of soundtrack thing. If we're being honest, almost. if we're being utterly honest, it's British. It's drawn British. The boy's British. You know, it's just, it just is. Hang on, I just thought I can send you a link via Skype and you can click on that. Oh, yeah, you, Without you, need of a keyboard, yes. You've got yeah. a click, yay. <laughs> There's an official Snowman website, okay. Thesnowman.co.uk I might not be able to see it, though. A lot of your stuff is region blocked. Oh, no, this is just about the books and oh, okay. everything. This is the same guy that did the, the rather famous, morbid, dark, fucked-up children's comic strip When the Wind Blows about a couple that die in their, their cellar after a nuclear fallout. It's them. That was that was just a, a barrel of laughs. Uh, he did this as well. So, I'm see, not... I like this. The art, the art is just great. That it, looks terrific. It's we lovely. do very, very. I don't know. The, the word is crass. I'm going to say that over and over again. Except when you're talking about these 1960s things. They've been running on TV now for 50, 55 years. And if you've been taking a look at the chat room, you've got people in there who are talking about some of the other Rankin-Bass ones. Uh, the Year Without a Santa Claus is one that you've probably seen referenced a hundred times, but never really noticed what it was. It's, um, it's the one with Heat Miser and – is it Cold Miser or Snow Miser? But whatever, and they sing the song, you know, uh, Mr. Heat Miser. I need to see all this stuff. <laughs> You've got uh, the R animated version of Frosty the Snowman, was also done by Rankin Bass. Uh-huh. Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which Lisa and I watched about 10 minutes of last night before saying, you know, we've seen this 30 times now. We don't need to see it again. Uh, which is, it's kind of like you're. Friendly neighborhood postal carrier is telling the story of Santa's origin, how yeah. he came to be. That sounds uh, cool. Jack Frost is another one, which is about the you know the fairy tale character of Jack Frost and how he saves Christmas. Yeah, you've got the little drummer boy that's a biblical throwback. Uh, Pinocchio's Christmas. And if you want to put a little bit of perspective on this, Rankin Bass is the company that did like the animated version of The Hobbit way back in the day, oh, and they right. also made that comes on a lot. I like that The Hobbit comes on a the lot. Lord of, of the Rings. No, well, no. it was that one as well. Oh, right. Okay, they did both of them. They get a lot of flack because they didn't really necessarily follow the books too well. It, it, it was a Ralph Bakshi thing. Yeah, but they're still endearing, I think, for what oh, they very are. Very much so. I, I really like The Hobbit, and I can't wait for the movie to come out here next week. Yeah. And a large part of that is because I watched that stinking animated Rankin-Bass movie so many times when yeah, I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly why I read the book in the first place. See, now what, what is occurring to me, I found a list on Wikipedia of, it's a list of United Kingdom Christmas television episodes. Right. And it's just the biggest list I've ever seen on the internet of t- British, well, British TV mm. Christmas episodes. And uh, what what occurs to me is that because our runs of TV shows are so shorter than American TV shows, 
it, it seems to me that you get a lot more of shows that just happen to be on at Christmas anyway, and so they do a Christmas episode. Like, there are so many Christmas episodes of Friends and The Simpsons and things like that, because that's when they're on anyway. Whereas we have shows that come back specifically just to do a Christmas episode, even though that show might not have been on for six months and be on again for another six months. Yeah. You know, I wondered about that with the whole Doctor Who Christmas episode exactly thing. Like that the, exactly like that. And like the Office Christmas specials. There'll be a selection of popular sitcoms have Christmas special episodes this year that have maybe not been on for a while. Mm. This is why I didn't attempt to look up a list of the U.S. Christmas episodes, because every single TV show has one. Even if it's on in the middle of the summer as a, a mid-season run, yeah. they're going to do a chronologically inappropriate Christmas episode just to throw it out there. So, yeah, every single sitcom, every single drama somehow works it in. Yeah, I, I think we, ha- we have some standouts. We do have the royal family, which we mentioned before. Now, the, men- uh, the, the royal family is a... Really idiosyncratic little show. It's a sitcom that's not really a sitcom. It it feels like there's just some cameras in a house of some people that you know, or some people that you know, somebody who know you know these people. Most episodes involve them sitting watching television. They're watching television, all of them, and you know. But you'll have some people wandering into the house that might be members of the family. Or it might be neighbours who've just come round to talk about biscuits for ten minutes. So it's almost a hybrid of reality TV and scripted TV. It's perfect. It's all scripted, beautiful comedy of real British normal families. And um, it's quite shocking because, you know, the dad just sits there and farts and scratches his ass and slags telly off. And it's just perfect. Now, their, their Christmas special that was the greatest show... Their daughter, um, what's her name? Na- na- Denise. Denise is pregnant to David. Aya, Aya Denise. The proper working class, but not really. Not Nobody works, do they? Does anybody work? No. No. Um, so, yeah, they, they don't work. She's, she's pregnant, but she's jealous of a woman called Beverly Macker who we used to go out with. And it's just beautifully set up. That her and her father are alone in the bathroom together when she goes into labour with baby David. And he, the father has made a beautiful little playset of a farmyard, uh, complete with all animals that are made out of really dangerous objects and stuff like that. It's just, it's lovely. And, and with real deep pathos about the working class of Britain, it's really good. I'm just looking at a list of what will be on here over Christmas. And there's some stuff you'd expect and some stuff that makes me think, dear God, what are they doing? Because uh, you've got, you've got your, uh, the, favorites, the nation's favourite Christmas song hosted by Noddy Holder of Slade. Yeah. Followed by a very JLS Christmas, which will make me want to murder oh, people. Oh, dear me. Uh, None of the words that you just said make any sense. <laughs> uh, JLS are a very awful boy band. Uh, outnumbered okay. Christmas special. See, Outnumbered is a show that's... I'm not sure that it's been on this year. And that's a middle-class um, family Christmas. But it is. It's having a Christmas special. Um, I was kind of hoping that it was the Justice League Society oh. or something cool. No, I'm afraid not. I'm quite... Look, you know, Doctor Who, Strictly Come Dancing Christmas special. 
You know, uh, it's, it's strictly come dancing, it's dancing with the stars. and that We all have the same TV shows that just called something else and format slightly differently. I'm quite looking forward to this on Boxing Day, ITV, 8 o'clock. That dog can dance. Oh, dear God. I don't think that needs any more of a description. You already know what the show is. It really? But it's called... No. <laughs> Remind me again what Boxing Day is? That's the day after... Hang right. on. Boxing right. Day is the 26th I, of December. I looked this and, up and got the official explanation as to what Boxing right. Day is. Right. Can I tell you what my understanding of Boxing Day is? But, but you Please. Can, before you look it up on Wikipedia, the thing that I've been taught all my life is that the Boxing Day was the one day that household servants got off. They could t- take the day off and go and visit with their families and 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 just have a nice day like they've been providing everybody else a nice day. The Boxing Day is your day. And the box was the gift that the employer gave to the servants and it contained a Christmas gift. Boxing Day? Is traditionally the day following Christmas Day when servants and tradespeople would receive gifts from their superiors. Yep. Or employers, known as a Christmas box. Today, Boxing Day is better known as a bank or public holiday that occurs on the 26th of December, or the first or second weekday after Christmas Day. Christmas box, that's where that word comes... That's a very Yorkshire saying. And it was always told me when I was a child... That's for your Christmas box. Right. And it never occurred to me that that box, uh, the Christmas box, would refer to Boxing Day. I there you had go. no idea. So if, it, if Christmas occurs on a Saturday, then Boxing Day is officially the Monday. The bank holiday of Boxing Day will be Monday, but we'd still call Boxing Day the 26th of yeah, December. It's the Feast of Stephen. Good King Wenceslas last looked out on the Feast of Stephen. No. Good King Wenceslas. Looked out. L- looked out. It's not, yeah. Everybody thinks mm. it's not good King Wenceslas. I didn't. I, only last looked out. I didn't put a T on it. Wenceslas yeah. last. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, of course, all go shopping the day after Christmas, too, because, I mean, if you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of Christmas gifts, then why wouldn't you go shopping the very next day? It just makes perfect sense. Because you never get the thing you want. It's let's be honest. It's full of people. It's awful. I hate Boxing Day shopping. It's pretty terrible, but I think this is a major difference between our two locales in the fact that a day for servants is a little bit too close in our national consciousness to a day for slaves. And I don't have any data to back that up. It's just a gut feeling. Okay. But I think people here would be very queasy about associating with anything that had to do with servitude. You see, we're not talking about servants. Uh, we're not talking about slaves, we're talking about servants, we're talking about I people who were that. employed, the downstairs folk. You had to pay them, but they and weren't it, as good as us. But they, they were paid fair wages and most of them were given homes. So the, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the same at all. They were, they were in, in employ. I understand that. They were still that inferior still... to their employers, but they were not, yeah. in, the, in the sense that we're talking about it, slaves. In my mind, at least, the distinction is still so paper thin that it's too uncomfortable i guess so i I, I mean batman needs alfred i get it (laughs) but still exactly you've seen pride and prejudice right you can't have a big house upstairs without an army of people downstairs making it happen I hear Downton Abbey is very popular in the Full States. Full of moment. people in servitude. Yeah. But that's their jobs. They're housekeepers, they're groomsmen, they're 
cleaners, their bakers, whatever. They've all got roles. But they need a day off and they need a Christmas box. The, the big irony of it all is that you would now get these big stately homes and manors that would maybe 200 years ago have been staffed by lots and lots of people now split up into many luxury apartments and sold to rich people. Yeah. And the bits that would have been servants' quarters years ago would probably cost far more than anything we could afford to live in. Exactly. So, exactly. you know, it's all relative. So, yeah, Boxing Day really is about recovering from yesterday, which, if you're the cook, is just so much work. So the cook just wants to sit on her fat ass in Quality Street and watching Christmas shows. Movies, whatever. I'm or, being told here. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but well, basically, and then you you with family that day, and if you've spent Christmas Day with one person, then you usually see someone the next day. So it's quite it's quite busy. You're going to see people on Boxing Day, but you're mainly going to be 45 degree angle shoveling food into your face, cold cuts from yesterday. Mm-hmm. See, Food. I'm thinking as well. Food. The trick to Boxing Day is to have the most children because then you're the one that doesn't have to go around everybody else. Everyone else will come to you. But your cousin Julie's always going to win that one. She really is, yeah. So we're fucked. We're, we, we're always going there on boxing. We're never going to win that you one. You see, you don't give a shit, though, because you don't do the food. And and to me, it comes down to the food. Cause I, the th- you're right not doing here. the food this year. I'm doing it, though. I'm doing it on the 28th. There's no way I'm getting through Christmas without... Cooking. That, that's your own choice, though. My stuff. I mean, I appreciate it, and you're going to enjoy it, and I will enjoy it. But there, you've moved. It's beyond the necessity of Christmas into I will enjoy this. Yeah. Now, see, here's the advantage this year to having a one year old. Because, yes, we're going to be doing a lot of traveling. We've got to go on Christmas Eve down to Lisa's grandparents' house. That's about an hour trip. On Christmas Day, we'll have to go about 45 minutes to her parents' house to see her parents and her sister and all that family. Then the weekend after Christmas, we're going to have to drive five hours to New York to see my parents. So it's going to be a lot of mileage in a very short time. But because we've got a one-year-old, nobody expects us to do any kind of prep, no food, no cooking, no purchasing. All we have to do is show up and reap the rewards, (laughs) stuff our gullets full. It's going to be a beautiful thing. <coughs> it sounds like a good plan, that, for Christmas. Oh, you've got the baby. Oh, we just can't wait to see our granddaughter. You just bring her and we'll just be so happy. <laughs> what kind of brownies do you want me to make you, JJ? <laughs> well, I like ball kinds. Yeah, you, my, my mother asked on G+, Plus what, uh, what we needed while we're going to visit. And I said, well, you can start with the steak. Yeah. And we're going to need the lobster. And uh, how much time do you have? Have you already started baking? Because you probably need the lead time. Wow. See, we don't do lobster at Christmas. Lobster's not Christmas. And you know, oh, we won't actually have lobster. I just, you know, if she was going to ask me what I wanted, I was going to be truthful. I've always felt, Mum, that turkey needed sliced truffles with it. That's the one. Now, as long as we're talking food, is that the traditional Christmas dinner in the UK as well as in the US? Is it roast turkey? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. I would say that turkey is probably the most popular. Did it, did it used to be goose? It used to be goose, uh, but goose is now very expensive, so it's one of those rare treats. Goose is I the, the only feeling, other... Sorry, go ahead. I get the feeling that Christmas in the UK is Thanksgiving for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of. Different, Christmas different here food. has taken on a secondary importance where food is concerned. 
we give that all a month beforehand with with Thanksgiving, where we celebrate our country's freedom and founding by trying to eat as much of it as possible yeah. with the the turkey, the stuffing, the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, pies, cookies, everything that you can think of, cranberry sauce, yeah. uh, green beans, everything, everything, everything that you can eat. We try to eat that day. Well, as is Christmas, and and I'm gonna start at breakfast time because. That's as important as dinner. So This is going to be the year that you teach my mum it's all right to start with a drink on Christmas Day, isn't it? Uh, well, I might have to just take some Prosecco down there, the, yeah. This is, this is the year. It's, it's time, Richard. My okay. mum's going to be shit-faced so you, at lunchtime. You wake up on Christmas morning, you get the bacon cooking because you're having a bacon sandwich. Oh, that's, that's good. That's the law. The Christmas breakfast is a bacon sandwich and you wash it down... With um, we call it Bucks Fizz here. You guys call it mimosa, but it must be champagne and orange juice on Christmas breakfast. That, that's be. a new one on me. That's, that's from you. That one. Absolutely, no question. It <coughs> must happen. You know the bacon sandwich on Christmas morning is. You know, if I had to pick, you can have no presents and a bacon sandwich, or all the presents you want and no bacon sandwich. There's some serious thought to give that one. Yeah. It must be. There's just something about the Christmas morning bacon sandwich. It's better than any other bacon sandwich, even though it's technically identical. But you're going to come down, you're going to immediately like put the kettle on, cup of tea, cup of coffee, mimosa, open presents. Then when you're done opening presents, that's when you have your bacon sandwich. And then for me, I'm already cooking. I've been up since eight. I'm cooking. And um, around about three, dinner's going to be ready. And Three is a long time to wait, Alice. Well, exactly. This is why you've got to have a, a massive bacon sandwich and plenty of mimosa so you don't give a shit that you wait until three. Okay? You've got enough to do. You've also opened shit ton of chocolate as gifts <laughs> and you're already in it. You don't care. Today you're eating. It's fine. Three o'clock's not that far away, really, when you've got seven kilos of confectionery. I think it's the breakfast foods that our two cultures are really going to differ on because in the United States, I mean, yeah, there's going to be bacon, there's going to be eggs, there's going to be toast and that sort of thing. But we're much more pastry oriented. Yeah. You, you have to have your sweet buns, your sticky buns. For some reason, cinnamon comes into the picture in almost every circumstance. You have to have some sort of cinnamon derivative, whether it's cinnamon buns, cinnamon pancakes, cinnamon French toast, cinnamon it, it's on very something. French. Cinnamon is very, very French. It's not really a British spice as such. We borrow it. We like nutmeg and mace and mixed spice and things like that, but cinnamon to us is a borrowed f fragrance from France. For so. whatever reason, it has a very, very close association with the winter holidays here. Everything that you buy is going to have some sort of cinnamon thrown into it if Definitely. it's got the Christmas colors. And that's straight from Germany. It's straight from Holland. All of those spices... Are all about Christmas when you visit those kind of countries. Scandinavia, they all use those warm spices. And uh, nutmeg, too. You, any, you go to September, go to May, go to July. You're not going to see nutmeg. What are you going to do? Are you going to have nutmeg when you grill out? No, you're going to have it in the wintertime. <laughs> uh, well, I, I use nutmeg, but I, I see your point. It, it's a baker's spice. So if you bake, you use nutmeg. If you don't, then you're only going to taste it at Christmas time. So, now, mind you, I'm not complaining. No, I, I, I love all that stuff. I, I like the spicy cake and 
breads that you get at Christmas time. Right. So we're on to lunchtime. We, we're feeling that the bacon sandwich is left as it's, it's time for lunch and we have a starter. And then in, in this house, that means that we have chicken liver and covoisier pate with white toast and um, red onion marmalade with a little salad for the meat eaters. And then I usually just do a little mozzarella on tomato salad for the vegetarian in the family. And and then obviously there's more alcohol at that point. And and then that all gets cleared away and then the main course arrives. And let's do a quick roll call of everything that's on one of Alison's Christmas dinners. We got the turkey, obviously. And we've got sausage meat stuffing, chestnut stuffing, sage and onion stuffing, roast potatoes, roast parsnips, roast carrots, broccoli, peas, uh Little pigs in blankets, Yorkshire puddings because we're Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, a bread sauce, cranberry sauce, and gravy. It's really anything oh, that can go Brussels with gravy. Sprouts, really. Brussels sprouts. Brussels yeah. sprouts. Obviously, <laughs> we must have Brussels sprouts. Three and pardon, three. do you have a different conception of gravy than we do? I think that there's a difference there. Is there not? Well, I don't know. I suppose our gravy is um, uh, based on the the juice of the bird. So you, you're going to get all the stock from um, what we call the giblets, the inside bits of the chicken that we don't want to eat, but we want the flavours out of them. So things like the neck and Parsons nose and that kind of thing. So that gets boiled down with some vegetables and we get all the lovely crusty bits off the bottom of the pan and and then we add a little bit of flour to thicken it and some fat and and, and we make a nice little emulsified lovely meaty sauce gravy okay that that is what we would call gravy too i don't know why i had it stuck in my mind that we had some sort of a difference although we do have also uh sausage gravy yeah which is yeah the breakfast gravy the the what do you call them biscuits and gravy that that concept is not here we we don't do biscuits and gravy so so you would never think of a white gravy at all no um, I know what white gravy is, but again, that would be more French than British. Uh, it seems like you're telling me that we're all francophones. You kind of are. You've got a lot of um, of the cooking <gasps> style is, is directly from French, but we all do. Because the I French, blame Julia Child. <laughs> you blame Julia Child. We can, we can go all the way back and, and blame all kinds of people and you know the ones that we, we're going to blame the most are the French they gave us the techniques they gave us the ideas and they travelled a long long way because they worked so, some of what you described I can't get on board with some of that uh, I don't know uh, what, you, what you were describing for lunch it just doesn't really appeal to me but if there's one thing that I can walk away from this conversation with it's an inspiration Rich and Allison, you have inspired me to try to get drunk by Christmas lunch this yeah, year. It's yeah. a good plan. I'm going to start with Irish coffee. Good. Oh, that's good work. That's a good one, but I would have that after dinner myself. Yeah. I think I'll start with it right now. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, as long as we're on food, too, about Christmas crackers. How does this factor in? Okay. I, Let me explain the crackers. Right, you explain the crackers. I'm going to try and find out the history of the crackers. This this must be a uniquely British thing, then. So, what's that? It's my... Oh, it's your thing on the thing. 
Um, we may discover that it's uniquely British, or we may discover that it just goes by another name here. Yeah. So this, we, you traditionally have this with your Christmas dinner, and it's just sort of this isn't food. This is so it's kind of like if you imagine a long tube made out of very soft cardboard, more firm paper than anything else, with sort of two twists in, so it's split into three sections. So there's kind of a handle at each end. And the middle bit is maybe the same size as the inside, the, the cardboard roll from a toilet roll. Yeah. That kind of size. They look like sweets, basically. Yeah. They're desi- designed to look like a giant candy. And the inside will be filled with traditional items. I mean, again, this is one of those, you can pay what you want for this. And yeah. So and you, you, you do get what you pay for, but it's still really expensive. <laughs> generally, most people will get a pack of crackers from the supermarket that will be about between eight and 12 pounds yeah. maybe yeah and they will be awful some people might go to harrods and buy crackers that are a hundred thousand pounds each that will have considerably nicer prizes in the middle they'll of have them. a house in them and stuff like that, that, that. that you know, a rolex thing. um so but traditionally they're, they're meant to be shit i think at this point you have so set items though don't you well hang on let me don't don't get ahead of me um so to, <laughs> this is where we introduce an element of competition winners and losers into your christmas meal because we've not had that yet today it's time for somebody to to lose something yeah uh so the point of the cracker is is that there's a prize to be won so you pull the cracker with someone else at the table usually the person i think generally you traditionally would do the person sat opposite you and the person sat next to you that way everyone gets at least one go yeah um and who you pull the cracker it falls apart there's a little banger inside so it makes a little crack sound if you've bought good enough ones that actually work. Yeah, if you've got really bad ones, nothing happens, just some paper tears, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Not very exciting. And you want to crack. Whoever gets the bigger piece wins and gets whatever's in the toilet roll in the middle. And that will tradition that will generally be a, a very bad paper hat, a sort of a crown thing, yeah. made out of some sort of coloured tissue paper. It's tissue paper, yeah. Um, just two pieces glued together and it doesn't stay on. Yeah. They're either too big, too small, they just always fall off. Yeah, they fit no one. I don't know how they manage that, actually. They're in multicolours as well. You can get them in any kind of colour. And sometimes you pull a yellow and you're like, Again, I don't want a that yellow. depends on how, how nice the crackers you buy, because the nicer ones will try to be some sort of thicker paper and make them all maybe, maybe shiny gold. silver or gold. Yeah. yeah. The cheap ones, it's green tissue paper <laughs> yeah. and you'll like it, because you're poor. That's that's what it's quite nasty. But there you go. <laughs> so, uh, have you seen have you a... seen any pictures of British people eating Christmas dinner with a hat on? No. Oh, I need to find a picture. Right, they'll, they'll be there. <laughs> um, what else do you get? There'll be a, a joke that is an awful, awful joke. We're talking really basic sort of. If anyone who went to the news agents and bought a book of kids jokes could come up with something better than will be in these Christmas cards. It's where I'm convinced Craig gets his yearly arsenal of jokes from. He'll stock up this Christmas next year. He'll have all new jokes. Uh, And maybe on the back of that piece of paper, there'll be a really basic riddle or puzzle of some kind. And then there'll be a prize, which is generally crap and useless, like uh, a set of three miniature screwdrivers or a small (laughs) pack of playing cards or a sewing kit or a whistle or a, a small ball that doesn't actually bounce or do anything or, you, you know, just something awful. Some, this sounds some like jacks. if Bazooka Joe 
And the Cracker Jack Navy sailor guy had a very, very boring baby. It, it's kind of like that. That's the, Or you might get one of those puzzles that's two bits of metal joined together somehow and you have to figure out how to undo them without just getting a hammer. I'm a sucker for those. That that sort of thing. Or maybe a, pu- a puzzle with, with lots of balls encased in plastic and you have to roll them into the holes. Or something like that. A labyrinth. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But like I say, it depends how much money you spend, but most people will get the the supermarket ones that are just a... They've bec- over the years, they've become a joke unto themselves. We, they've never been good, so now we don't expect them to be good, and they kind of are now reveling in how crap they can be. Now, as long as we're talking about quasi-competition stuff with holidays, do you guys have the German Christmas pickle? No. What's the German the Christmas pickle? Now, I live in an area that has lots and lots and lots of Eastern European immigrants. Mm-hmm. Right. So huge Polish, uh, huge Czech, huge Hungarian population in this area here. So many people observe the, and I'm going to murder this, it's the Vanekskirke. So basically, <laughs> you get a glass pickle. Not a real pickle, because that would stink. But a glass pickle decoration. And you hide it somewhere in a hard-to-find spot inside the Christmas tree. Okay. And then on Christmas morning, whatever kid finds it first gets like an extra gift or more candy or, or whatever. Okay. See, hide the pickle sounds like something <laughs> it just rude sounds to me. rude. It's you guys want to find my pickle? That that's just even disturbing now. Um, but <laughs> no, we we don't have. I'm surprised you seem to have a lot of European Christmas things more so well, than we're us. We're all European, or almost all of us are European on the East Coast, at least. Yeah, you know the, the Christmas cracker jokes. I, I've read recently in a Richard Wiseman book called Quirkology that the jokes are designed to be bad on purpose, and it's because if you tell a bad joke, then you've failed. But if if you're expected to fail, and everybody else is failing too, then there's solidarity in that, and everyone feels equal at the dinner table. So that's why there are no funny. Cracker jokes. Right. We demand them to be bad. We want them to be bad. It makes us feel better. How than, very British. Than somebody else telling a really good joke and you failing at one. Of course. Wow. The psychology behind the Christmas cracker. It never occurred to me. What a, what a science Christmas is. That's the kind of deep stuff you get when you listen to Remaster. Exactly. <laughs> that is oh, some that, cracking yeah. stuff there, Alison. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> now what about the build up to Christmas oh well it started a few months ago and you kind of try to fight it off I, I think it's different for us now because it's obviously very different when you're a kid because when you're a kid things start happening at school um, and so we you traditionally have like your end of year Christmas production or something like that at, at, at First school and junior school, that would probably be like a nativity play, something like that. We'd all sing the song Little Donkey and uh, do a bad rendition of the nativity. We would have something very, very similar, but of course it's going to all be completely secularized now. You wouldn't have any kind of nativity in in most schools unless you go to Catholic school. Right. It still happens everywhere here, everywhere pretty much, I would say. Well, you have a state church. We do, and 
that that means that we have uh, church guided schools we have c of e schools we have catholic schools we have uh, madrasas that um muslim children attend but they're not part of the national curriculum um but every school every school puts on a nativity yeah someone's mary and whether that kid's black asian whatever someone is mary and it's fine i was mary there's a great shot of me on Facebook. See, I can't my believe I'm so ju- that is such a lead role in the it, Christmas it, it nativity. Being Mary, role, for God's Mary. sake. Yeah, it was a big role. It's Mary, Joseph, maybe King Herod. Yeah. If you want to be the bad guy. The maybe, innkeeper. The innkeeper. The, no, because there's many of them. Shepherds, they all came. They all said something. The I, kings, they all said something as well. No, I was a king. Innkeeper got the funny lines. I was a king. I was the mur guy. Were you mur? I was the guy with mur. And uh, I can't remember what lines I had, if any, at all. It was terrible. So your nativities have plots. Well, it's, the, the it's plot the of the nativity. Story. Are, you, are you aware of the Christmas story, Jason? Uh, quite. Well, uh, I'm the son of a preacher, man, Rich. You yeah, know this. I was going to yeah. say, not, so not the one with the red rider, red rider BB gun. The other Christmas story. But there is this resurgence here, at least in the Midwest, of living nativities where they don't act out the plot. They just have all the people lined up and then they funnel the crowds through like it's some sort of an amusement park. So you see the the nativity scene frozen kind of in a tableau with real people playing the, the actors instead of having statues or props or that sort of thing. Yeah, that's just weird. Yeah, that, okay, that it really be, is. I think that would be weird here. <laughs> no, we, we just tell the story, you know. Mary gets pregnant, light in the sky, get on a donkey. Little donkey, little donkey on the dusty road. Yeah, that one. That one. And uh, our little town of Bethlehem and all that kind of stuff. you got to get there. got to get to Bethlehem. You're following that star. You're going to the city of David. You don't quite get there. You start going into labor. You need, you need some room at the inn, and there's no room at the inn because everybody's going. It, well, it's it was like, busy. CES like, was on. It's like Glastonbury, you know, everybody's just going to Glastonbury. No one's coming away from Glastonbury. Everybody's just going so that they can't get a room anywhere. It's like us, CES, Vegas, can't get a room. Um, Do you feel uncomfortable participating in that kind of religious stuff on Christmas? I'm about as comfortable as I'd be if I was doing any other Christmas special. As a kid, I didn't care. As an adult... I I wouldn't actually stop. If we had a kid who was going to be in the Christmas nativity, I would go and do the video camera thing. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't object. If anything else, it is the story of Christmas. It's still a so, story. It's a story. You know, it's whether fine. it's true or you think it's real or whatever, it's, it is the story of Christmas. So, you know, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But I'm also okay with telling other alternative views of Christmas. Like, I can remember very vividly being taught about Christmas in... Uh, in other European countries, and knowing very much that it was different to the way we did it here. And uh, I've spoken recently with Erwin, uh, one of our listeners, who lives in uh, the Netherlands. Erwin Blanc? Erwin Blanc, yeah, and he, he filled me in all about Sinterklaas, because we don't have anything like that. This happens much, much earlier, and they have all kinds of celebrations that we, we just don't do, you know? And And Santa Claus is supposed to knock on the back door to signify that he's been and all that kind of thing. We don't we don't have any of that. 
So it's really, really good. To, I, I, I'm enjoying this conversation. It's great to understand how other people do it. And uh, in, in the continent of Europe, there are lots of different ways that Christmas is done. I get the feeling, though, that you're much more comfortable with the religious aspects of the holiday, whereas in the United States, there really are two camps. There's the camp that sees it as nothing more than a secular holiday, where the story of Christmas is Santa Claus. And I think for a lot of Christians, even that's kind of the default view. Santa, 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 reindeer, reindeer, reindeer. reindeer yeah, and that's it's, what we have. It's Kind it's, of, but, you know, I was raised in a Christian family and... To me, that side is important. It's the story of Christmas. It's not Santa Claus. It has become the Coca-Cola truck. And that Coca-Cola Santa, it has, definitely. But the story remains the same. We have the holiday because um, of a Christian belief system in a story. And I'm cool with that, just as I'm cool with any story. The moral. I don't know. I don't think that you have the. I don't think that you have the holiday because of that, though. Because if you really want to get technical about it, hey, the Romans predated Christianity when it comes to Saturnalia. Oh well, yeah, but we've we've had all this for thousands and thousands of years, but we're now calling it Christmas, and it's got Christ's name in it. We're talking about the Christian version of this holiday. We're not talking about Saturnalia or any other incarnation of a, a holiday somewhere around the third week in December. The religious aspect of it, for me, sometimes seems a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's odd. You it's, know, it's if, we, if we really examine the story about a woman having an immaculate conception, we could just go off on a million tangents on, on that one concept alone. But of course, you could go dark on the Santa Claus story, too. A man really who creeps could. into houses in the middle of night. Listen, in, in Holland, there's a character called Black Peter, who, who, is, <laughs> who is the dark side of Christmas. There is a very, very much ingrained, there is a good side of Christmas and a dark side of Christmas. Just like kind of Tim Burton's view of Christmas, really. There is, there is a dark element. There's Black Peter who's covered in soot and comes in your house and, you know... You don't want to meet Black Peter. I, I don't. You want to meet Sinterklaas. Well, I hate to say this, but we have to pretty much wrap this up. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm no. Because there's a Masters of None Christmas special getting ready to kick off. As oh, well. that's why everybody's joining the chat room. Yeah, that's why there are people here. They're not <laughs> here to listen to us. These are somebody else's audience. I'm afraid. They're going to be doing their great, worst Christmas songs ever special. Now there. that's a good one. Which is the other good Christmas special, apart from this one. I'm going to predict that they are sick and tired of Paul McCartney's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I am. I God damn it, one. if I hear that damn song again. I, that is actually my least favorite Christmas song. Is it? Yeah. Um, I don't really like that. What's wrong with the Mike Oldfield one? It just gets on the nose. No, that one's good. It's 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 the Paul McCartney one. I'm just sick of Paul McCartney. He was he was you a know, national treasure, worst... and you know what? He's he's overdone himself now. He's uh, he's it... all over, and he, he's not very good anymore. And he should just stop it and go on holiday. <laughs> the worst Christmas song ever, though, Richard. We all know that it's Cliff Richards' fucking the Lord's Prayer. prayer. One. Yeah, it is. To the tune of Auld Lang Syne. With him flying over a rainbow. He's not gay. I want to make that very clear if anyone was thinking that about Cliff Richard. He's, he is not gay. Well, 
I don't feel done about Christmas, you know. Well, maybe we'll have to come back and revisit Christmas or something. There's a lot to talk about next year. This is very true. There's going to be lots of Christmas specials. We can talk about Christmas light displays next time. Okay, cool. We're going to do a Christmas special shaft. Well, we yeah, are, yeah. As well. So, there's, so maybe I'll talk about other stuff there, too. Or we can make up some other shows and do a Christmas special of those or whatever you like, really. <laughs> okay. It's fine. You love Christmas. That's what it is about I you. I do. Should we, I'll it. bring Rich Daly back and you two can guest on my Christmas special. Okay, How's that? Great. That's great. That would be hilarious. There you yeah. go. We'll do that. We'll or do just that. make up an entirely new show and just do one episode <laughs> of it. We should, we should do a, a I, We should do a simply syndicated Christmas special with songs and guest appearances from all the hosts and things like that. That would like be that brilliant. Is what we should do. I can't believe it's taken me seven years to think of that. I should have a jumper and sit by the fireplace. You should. We should sing Sleigh Ride and other things like that. No, I'll sing, other, I'll sing songs like Andy Williams. I don't know. That's what it should be like. You need a like. corn cob pipe. I do need a corn cob pipe. You are absolutely <laughs> right. I'll I'll put that on my Amazon wish list. Or oh, Christmas make it so. There you go. We can't do that. It was never mentioned in Star Trek at all, ever. <laughs> it's the it really least, wasn't. It's the least Christmassy program ever made. I think they were done with Christmas then. Yeah. Did they never have a single TNG with Christmas in it? No. 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 If anything, it was mentioned specifically how they'd evolved beyond religion. <laughs> so Christmas never came up. The closest we get is Captain Picard Day. Which is good enough for me. No. Yeah, really. Now I'm going to have to retreat to the nerdery and look it up. I'm watching them all now, man. It's, they're all on TV. Well, this is way <laughs> off topic and we have to wrap this show up. Anyway, we all hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, have a wonderful time. And, and we wish you a Merry Christmas or whatever we, holiday we really you happen do. to be celebrating. And Either way, I hope you get presents as part of it and that you get whatever presents you want. Exactly. And drink lots of Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's also part of the plan. Happy Kwanzaa. That one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Diwali. Diwali. Is that now? It's Diwali. Yeah. That's what we say when you arrive. Happy Hanukkah. I don't, I don't know anymore. No, I've kind of run out now. Yeah. I think they're all the ones around there. Well, maybe see you on Christmas Eve for the Shaft Christmas yeah, special Yeah, please do again. join us. That's our favourite show of the year, and I'll probably be drunk, so it's great. <laughs> It'll be smashing. <laughs> Coming live from Doncaster this year. Down in Donny. Yeah. Hell. From my parents' extension. From ah, that's what's in Doncaster. That's what's, that's what's happening this yeah. year, apparently. Uh, I have a funny... I told my dad would be doing it. He asked me who would be coming to the house then. What are you joking? It's like, no, dad. You they phone we in guests. over Skype. Okay. They, they're not coming to the house. No yeah. one's coming to the house. It's all right. That is funny. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back next year. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.